You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of John. We're re-looking at John chapters 8, 9, and 10 today. So if you just want to have that open, um, so you can kind of reference that as we work through uh, some of the content that we've looked at uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, the first Sunday after our last application Sunday, we were in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, and that's where we talked about this passage. There being a lot of dispute about whether this passage even belongs in the canonized part of Scripture, that um, it may not have been an original part of John's writing. So we approached it a little bit differently, uh, but we, what we did is we looked at what was taught in John 8, 1 through 11, and saw that those ideas are presented in other parts of Scripture, right? And so we can use John 8, 1 through 11 and uh, believe it, because we do think that it's probably a historical uh, event, a historical account, maybe not part of John's original writing, but what's contained in that story are things about who God is that we can find in other passages of Scripture, right? And so from a summary sentence standpoint that week, we talked about our zeal for God is seen through the way our life has changed in regards to sin, not in how well we see and judge sin in the lives of others. And that the Pharisees were looking very zealous for the things of God because they were bringing this woman to Jesus and saying, look, we've caught her in adultery. It's time to apply the law to her because we love God's law and we are zealous for holiness and we need to do something to her, right? And, and Jesus responds in a way that's unanticipated by them, right? Because we said that ultimately it was a, a no-win situation that they were pr- trying to put Jesus into, that they wanted him to either stone her and jeopardize his reputation that he is a welcomer of sinners. That if word gets around that the adulterous woman has been brought to him and he had her stoned, well, that's going to spook all these other sinners that have been coming to Jesus and wanting to follow him. If he says not to stone her, well, now they run to Rome and say that, uh, or if if he says to stone her, they run to Rome and say, look, Jesus is trying to operate outside of the Roman authority. He's He's saying that we should stone this woman, and and he doesn't have the right or the power to do that. And then if he simply uh, releases her, he's in opposition to to Moses, and looks like he's going contrary to the Old Testament law. And so what they did not anticipate was his ability to to forgive her sins, right, and to uh, handle it in a way that they had not thought possible. And so Jesus' response is to draw their attention back to their own sin, right? So what we saw in this lesson is that if we want to be zealous for God, it, it starts with us being zealous about the sins in our own life, not looking to others and being very quick to judge them for their faults and their failures and their shortcomings, right? Um, we said the uh, not, promoting, not using the law to promote our own agendas. We don't want to um, use the law maliciously, in applying it to others and the application of it. Um, We talked about applying God's law to our own actions. We talked about repenting when we are convicted, that when the Holy Spirit prompts us and shows us sin in our life, that we need to be repentant of it. Um, And that we shouldn't mistake God's forgiveness as a license to continue in sin, that Jesus doesn't allow this woman to go 
after forgiving her and just continuing her adultery, right? Like the expectation is that she would go and sin no more, that uh, the truth's being contained there is one, that sin is serious, it needs to be addressed. It's been addressed with her. Uh, It's also been forgiven in her. And so we talked about the rest that we enjoy as Christians in that we are not condemned for our sin, right? That the condemnation has happened in Christ on the cross, that he has absorbed that wrath that is deserved by us. And so now we as Christians can enjoy the freedom from condemnation that Romans talks about, meaning that we don't get to stone ourselves. If Jesus is not going to stone us, then we don't get to stone ourselves as some type of self-punishment for our own mistakes and our own failures. Okay, so we talked about being zealous for God's law means that we start by being very zealous for the sin in our own life and seeing that weeded out versus trying to pinpoint it in the lives of others so much. All right, so that's led me to to write down two questions today as I've been reflecting on this passage once again. Um, Number one, has anyone seen a specific sin in their life more clearly recently and been uh, able to attack it? And then secondly, do we have sins that were once a defining aspect of our life that are no longer descriptive of us, right? If we're true believers who are abiding in God's word, we've experienced forgiveness, there ought to be things that used to be true about us. Doesn't mean that we don't still do some of those things. Doesn't mean that we don't still fall, tr- fall prey to some of those things at times. But things that maybe used to describe us should no longer be descriptive of us. If we're truly believers growing in our faith, there should be some things that we have set aside and we are going and sending no more in those areas regularly in a way that makes it the the most true things about us, right? So has anyone seen a specific sin in their life more clearly recently and been able to attack it? And then do we have sins that were once a defining aspect of our life that are no longer descriptive of us? I'll let you ponder those two questions for just a second and kind of tell you how this hit home for me recently. So I had the chance to go to um, my 20-year high school reunion last night hadn't seen most of these people since graduation night. There's only 19 of us, right? So it's not like we couldn't have gotten together after graduation night. We just didn't. We just went all separate ways. And so it was really cool to get together last night for the very first time and kind of walked in. We were, Lauren and I were right on time, walked around the corner. And then there's, uh, you know, a bunch of these people that I've not seen in so long. And so just flooded with a lot of emotions um, people that I was really close friends with in high school, others that, that I wasn't close with at all. Um, and then through the night, just being able to hang out, reminisce, share stories of old. There were stories that were shared that I, I wasn't overly proud about that I had participated in. Um, but one thing that really kind of um, just hit me when I left was there were multiple people in my class, one girl in particular that I went to, to school with from K-5 all the way through. And I honestly couldn't think of one conversation that I'd ever had with her as we're sitting there last night, reminiscing about the 20 years that have passed since graduation. And I was just like, why in the world did I never talk to that girl? Like, like how do I not have a memory to kind of go back and share with her. Like, as you're kind of going around, it's like, I don't know what to talk with you people about except for what happened 20 years ago because I haven't seen you in 20 years and most of us aren't the same people, right? And so 
you're trying to think through like, what do I talk to you about? Well, let's talk about like when that happened or when this happened. And there were certain people that I didn't have anything to go up and talk to about. And I was just like, how could that be possible? How could I have possibly spent 12 years in the same school with this girl and not have had anything to talk to her about last night? And it just really hit me that, that I'm not the same person that I was in elementary, middle school, and high school, that my, my perspective about others has changed a lot as the gospel has become more and more clear to me. Because the fact is that the reason I didn't talk to them is because they weren't like me. They didn't share the same interest in me. I didn't see value in them because they weren't like me. And that, and that conviction was just overwhelming last night as I was kind of scanning the room and seeing these individuals and, and knowing that, man, there were so many missed opportunities because I was very selfish and very um, just mindful of me and, and things that were true about me and things that were going on in my life. And these other individuals just didn't have value to me. And, and, I, and I, hope I'm, I hope I'm different in that area now. Like, I hope I see people differently. But as I was reflecting on this this morning, like, that was something that really jumped out to me because of kind of the conviction I was under last night. And so I was even confessing some of that to God that, hey, I know this was a long time ago, but, like, I see that as, a, as an error on my part. Like, I see that as something that, that I missed um, and, and really want to use last night as a springboard to maybe change that in, in a way. Because we did talk about, like, hey, maybe we'll get together again soon. Let's not let 20 years pass again for us. I want them to see that I'm different. And, and I was intentional. This other guy um, was there, and he was a guy that I didn't have a relationship with. He'd only, I think he was only there for maybe sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, but I was very intentional to have conversations with him last night because I didn't have any memories with him either. Um, and so I wanted to go out of my way to, to make sure that last night was different in his mind than the three years that we spent together in high school because I want him to know that, hey, whatever I was like in high school, that, that's not me anymore. Um, but that's something for me just recently that, that I was kind of confronted with that kind of some two aspects there. One, like, I think that that's an area where I've, I've sought to go and sin no more, that, that there's been some change and some, uh, some, some maturing on my part as the gospels become more clear, um, but also a sin that I want to continue to regularly attack in my life too, that I don't want to be an individual who only sees value in others if, if they can do something for me or if they're like me, that um, that I see people through the lens of them being created in God's image and, and, and that they are, are um, absolutely important, whether we have zero in common. Um, so, yeah, thoughts that you may have, things that you've been able to reflect upon um, that maybe fit into one of these two categories. So similar application but different context is God's just been revealing some idols in my heart that caused me to view people in different ways than what he would have me view them. So like you, I want to be attacking it constantly. And you know, sometimes these things are implanted in you from when you're small. And you have to realize that. Like, this is going to take a while to, to combat this way of thinking. But it's ultimately it's idolatry. Yeah. Um, the first one for me is uh, when I see people that aren't like me or don't make decisions I would make or uh, don't do something that 
I wouldn't do or do something that I wouldn't do, I judge them and think they're less than me. Um, and it's it's almost like a like when I feel the conviction over that, it's it's like a, a I wake up and a fog lifts. And I'm like, whoa, dude, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, and the conviction in that and being able to see that clearly and and attack that when it comes has been recently for me. Kind of like what Jeremy said, um, in the past I've always been somebody who just makes a snap judgment either about other people or whatever. And I've gotten, I don't know, maybe it's A, probably a lot of what scripture teaches, but just recognizing that there's two sides to every story. And sometimes what you see is not necessarily the absolute truth for a, a person or a situation. And just stopping and taking a moment and saying, now wait a minute, um, this may not be what I think it is, or this person may not be what I think they are, or what I'm perceiving them to be, but um, just just recognizing that and and um, making changes in the way that I view. I mean, I always, I always think that people are all believers until you find out otherwise. I don't know why I think that, but and recognizing that that's not always the case. A lot of people are walking around lost and being killed. So yeah, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 59. Um, we talked about Jesus and his sermon on being the light of the world. Verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We said that Jesus comes as our saving light, bringing purpose, direction, and ultimate freedom to those who abide uh, to his word or who abide in obedience to his word. We saw some gospel points from this passage. I wanted to show you how the, the gospel uh, was kind of outlined in this passage. And so we saw that one, Jesus talks about being equal with God and perfect in every way, a core key doctrine to our Christian faith that Jesus is not just a man, that he is also uh, God in flesh. So Jesus equal with God, perfect in every way, and that without him we exist in a state of darkness, and that due to sin we are destined to eternal judgment and separation. But if we believe in Jesus, we have a way of escape. And then seeing in this passage that our ongoing response to the Bible reveals the genuineness of our salvation, right? That, that we're called to be obedient. We're called to abide in his word. It says in verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we talked about uh, just the responsibility we have to be abiding in God's word. And, you know, we spent some time that week talking about the fact that um, this is not something that we pressure you guys with with like a set standard of what it looks like to to be faithful in God's word that we kind of entrust that to you for you to figure out your schedule what does it mean for you to be faithful in abiding in God's word but I want us to think in terms of what we're asking you to do right now and that's for all of us as a church collectively to be studying the same passage of scripture as we get ready for our next D group gathering which will take place um, not this Wednesday, but the next two Wednesdays after that. And then when we come back together and talk and discuss 
in the C group setting, um, things that we've been learning from studying that passage of scripture. What I like about it, at least for our C group, I felt like we had a lot of discussion this past week that didn't feel like uh, just rehashing of stuff that we've already talked about because we because I'm not teaching on this passage to you guys, right? So previously in C groups, I will teach this passage or teach several passages, and then we would talk about it in C group, and maybe there's not a whole lot of newness to bring to the table. But what I liked about our, our C group this past week is that um, I felt like there was a lot of engagement from people wanting to share things that they were learning because we hadn't had this teaching time on this passage. So for those that aren't aware, this next month we are studying together as a church Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, all the way through Galatians 6, verse 10. Okay, A lot of different ways you can study this. Um, but I thought maybe it would be a good thing to hear from you after having one D group gathering and after having one C group gathering where we talked about a passage that we studied, anybody have some some adjusted plans for how you plan to study um, this new passage over the next month in anticipation of D groups um, as we seek to abide in his word, as we seek to be faithful disciples? So any thoughts on maybe how you're planning to do this? Yeah, so my morning time in the word has changed since we've started this new D group where I would have kind of my own thing going from what I'm studying outside of anything the Sovereign Hope's doing to now it's kind of being controlled by what we're studying in the D group. You know, it's really helping um, shape and give me direction. And I'm not saying I don't want to make, make it easier, but it really helps keep you on track knowing I've got something every day now. Um, there's a responsibility Men in the church are going to be coming together, and it's almost like you you, you need to have your homework done, kind of kind of deal. Um, but it's helped it's helped hold me accountable to know that um, men are going to be dependent on me to help, you know, to bring what the Lord's taught me, and I'm dependent on them. And it's helped me in the mornings to know that I've got somewhere right to go to. I'm going. To, the, the church is providing us with a, a very clear passage on what we need to study, and even questions to go along with it. Um, so it's helped my it's helped my personal morning time um, every morning getting ready for D group. One thing I hope you guys realize in in our D group study is how how much truth there is in God's word that it's almost impossible for one individual to to see all of it, right? So. What, what's what's cool to me is that when we gathered in my D group, I think all of us came with an aspect of that passage really standing out to us, and it ended up being like everybody had something really different as far as the area of Scripture that really stood out to us. So, you know, we studied this larger passage, and, and we're talking about it, and it was almost like there were key verses that stood out to one, whereas a different set of verses really stood out to me. And then when we came, um, when we came back together as elders to talk about, hey, here's, here's what we want to make sure is accomplished in C group, it was like all four of us had had a different experience in our D group and things that stood out to us. So I was sharing like, hey, we really emphasize this in our group. And, and the other three were like, that didn't really even come up in our group, right? Um, and not that we were all in like so different directions. It's like, man, no, we were just, we were just a group of individuals seeing and pulling things out of Scripture, and 
there was so much there, right, that some things were missed. Some things weren't grasped hold of because um, of varying reasons. It's a, it's, it ought to be a reminder to you, because I think sometimes you, you may approach whatever we're going through, book of the Bible-wise, um, as though I'm going to give you everything you need to know about this passage. So there's no reason to study John on your own. There's no reason to go back and study Hebrews, because we've already done that as a church. Surely Adam gave us everything. If, if anything, D groups ought to be a good reminder to you that there is so much that is left that I probably don't pull out even when we're going through uh, and studying Scripture together. That's just the way God's Word is, right? Like if we could, if we could, if we could master it in one sermon, that doesn't say that doesn't speak very highly of God and His Word, right? So what I would want you to see is how vast the truth and the blessings are of God's word that four elders could, could be in four different D groups studying the same passage of scripture. And, and we're unified in our understanding of scripture, the four of us, right? And we can come back after studying a passage of scripture and all four of us bring things that the others missed. Man, that speaks very highly of God's word, right? And I, w- I wanna encourage you because what that means is that you may not feel as mature as somebody else in your group, right? And so you could easily default into saying, yeah, I'll show up at D group and just be taught by other people in the group, right? That, that there is such an important role for you to play in going to God's word and allowing God to teach you from his word and then being able to pass that on and share that with others, right? To be a blessing to somebody else by saying, here's what God spoke to me from my study in his word, right? Because there's a very good chance that even the most mature person in your group will have missed that piece, will have, have not had it stand out to them in that way, right? And that you're going you're gonna to see it from your life, your perspective, and be able to draw something out about who God is that's, that's crucial for us to know and be able to share that with somebody else, right? So uh, what I love is that D groups is not going to be a setting where only the mature have something to say, right? That, that we all have something to say in coming to God's word and being able to study it and feasting on it and, and to be able to see who God is and be able to pass on truth to other people, right? And the protection there is that because we're there together, if we ever, um, if we ever see something in an incorrect way, to be able to be redirected as well in, in that setting too. Um, so I want to encourage you to, to, to spend time in God's word over the next several weeks in, in getting ready for our D group gathering, that this passage in Galatians 5, 13 through 6, 10 has a lot to say, a lot to say. Um, and, and, and don't be content to just, to just, you know, kind of glance over it, or don't be content to just wait for somebody else to, to explain it to you, to really get in there and to wrestle with it and to, to study and to meditate and to pray over it and allow God to change you through that personal study. What's neat, too, about what we experienced was that when we had our guys group, which was two weeks from small group, since the text was kind of centered around like the, the, the role that God's Word plays in our life, we all were admitting how we should and could be doing so much better at, at allowing the Word to have that uh, time, practical time in our life. Um, and so we all kind of committed together to apply the things that we had drawn out together over the course of the next two weeks so that we could come back together in small group and not only help, you know, be prepared for the discussion, but celebrate the things that we had been doing, 
So I think one thing moving forward with us is that we would really like to study the passage, but really not just study it to see what it has to say, but to find things that we can apply and then do them together in community and use small group as a time of celebration as opposed to like, hey, we've been studying this, let's talk about all the ways in which we need to do this and then we just move on. Like, because these happened before our large group gathering, we're able to kind of get some of this application rolling and it even enriches that small group time together. All right, uh, John chapter nine, verses one through three. We started off this chapter looking at just the very beginning because I think there's uh, some important theology contained there as far as how we understand pain and suffering in our life. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, right? And so sometimes we default into thinking um, legalistically about our suffering, that if we're suffering, it means we've done something bad. And if things are going good in our life, then it must mean that we're okay with God and that ultimately our circumstances tell us if we're good with God or not. And so when our circumstances aren't very good, it means that we've done something bad and we need to fix it or figure it out and confess it so that our circumstances can go back to being good. Whereas Jesus says here, he's like, man, this guy's circumstances would not be a good indicator to you as to whether or not there's sin in his life or not, because this guy's not the way that he is. He's not suffering the way that he is because of sin, nor is it due to his parents' sin, right? Instead, it's due to the fact that God wants to display his works in him. So we said because God is sovereign, we can trust there is always good purpose behind the pain he allows in our life. Always good purpose behind the pain he allows in our life. So we don't think legalistically about our suffering. It's not that believers have a right to be healthy and happy, so pain means that somebody has sinned, right? The biblical perspective is that my pain always comes with a specific purpose, and it doesn't always come in response to sin. Sometimes it does, right? We, we see passages in Scripture where sometimes God does respond to sin in our life. He's even promised to do that as a loving father, meaning that if he did not respond to our sin, that he would not be a good father, right? And so he promises to do that. But sometimes pain and suffering in our life is not due to sin. It's due to some other type of purpose. So we said we have to first determine if there is any sin to confess, that our circumstances aren't a good indicator as to whether there's sin to confess or not. So we need to always be evaluating, are there things that I've allowed to go unchecked in my life that need to be repented of? So determine any sin to confess in your life. Request other people to look into your life too so you avoid blind spots, right? You never want to be the individual who thinks that there's no sin for him to confess, whereas everybody else in, in his life thinks there is, right? So we, we invite people into our life to help us avoid blind spots, um, we rejoice over the, over the sins that we aren't um, committing when we, when we do this self-examination. We can rejoice over the fact that maybe God is giving us victory over sin in our life, and so the pain's not due to a specific sin. And so when we determine that it's not sin-related, we seek ways to display God's glory in the midst of that pain. We don't try to end it early. Instead, we try to maximize the glory that God can receive in the midst of it. He's sovereign. We can trust there's always good purpose behind the pain he allows in our life. What I want to do right here is for us to um, 
to just share some specific situations briefly this morning that we can pray over together. Um, believers that we know that are experiencing some pain and suffering right now, right? Like I took the time to share with you the family at Trinity um, that I want to pray over this morning for sure. Um, to lose their their four-year-old adopted girl um, for reasons that can't be explained right now um, creates all kinds of pain and suffering in that family's life, right? All kinds of second-guessing and questioning from a parent's perspective about how this could be avoided. Um, Ryan Tipton and I had the chance to go and be with the family right after um, they found out, and he and I were talking, and, and I told him, I said, I told Ryan, I said, there's no way I could ever see myself being able to handle a situation like this if I didn't have the belief and the theology that I have about who God is, right? If you take away a good God, a good shepherd that can guide me through something like this, that's promising me good purpose behind it, that the the event itself isn't good, Right? And I'm, I'm trying to explain this to a group of fourth graders on Friday that asked to speak with me from her class. Right? So I sat in an empty room all day on Friday next to these fourth grade classrooms in case anybody, I told the teachers in case anybody just needs me and wants to talk. And so there was a group that asked, can we go see Mr. Vincent? So we're sitting there. Um, it's a squirrely little group of kids that um, you know, were kind of all over the place in some of the questions they were asking. But you know, when they really settled in and got serious with me, like the, the questions just kept coming about why and, 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 and why would God allow this, right? And so it gave me a great opportunity to talk to them about God's good purposes behind these type of things. And, and I was very clear with them. We are never expected to think that these type of things are good in and of themselves, right? They're not good. But the assurance and the hope is that God uses them for good in our life. And we talked in this sermon about how God doesn't react to these type of things and try to find a, a good thing that could come out of it, right? That, that, that he's not a reactionary God, he's a proactive God. So he has intentional plans to be accomplished through the death of this little girl. Um, and we don't know what those are yet. Um, I can't imagine navigating through this as a parent without the assurance that I am, I am entrusting myself to a God who brings good in the worst situations possible. All right, so I want to pray for this family this morning because I know they are experiencing an unbelievable amount of pain, an unbelievable amount of difficulty, um, and, and they need to, over the coming weeks and months, be reminded by believers in their life that this is the type of God they serve, a God who is in control of their future, a God who is in control of the plans going on around them, that he's not a God who is just reacting to things as they happen, that there is intentional purpose and plan behind the things that he allows. And so uh, I want to pray for them specifically this morning. Are there others that you're aware of that it would be good for us to pray over this morning as well in light of what we learned from this passage um, that we could do together today? Yep. Yeah, so they all know it, but I'm still praying for my uh, aunt. And... That's the same thing I battle with. Is I don't I don't understand how she where her hope is at. For my cousin, y'all know the battles with schizophrenia. Um, I've tried to explain these things to her that, that God's always doing something good behind what the pain that she feels and got going on. Um, 
but I can just see it a lot of times when I'm talking to her that she's just broken inside. She really doesn't understand why this has happened to her son that was once normal, quote, kind of normal, and now it's just way out in left field. Um, so we're still praying for Jordan himself and praying for God to heal his mind um, and for him to bring him home, but more importantly, I'm praying that for God to do a, a work in his parents. If the, I believe they're saved. Um, but that he would reveal truth to them through this because they don't understand this truth that we're talking about this morning. They don't understand this stuff. Um, so I, I, that's what I pray that God would show them his goodness through through all of this. That it could get worse. Like my cousin could, something could really bad happen to him. And God is still a good God. I want them to be able to see that. That that's where our hope is. Not 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 just whatever it is they believe. I don't. I'm not real sure what they believe. But if if we can get to the point where we know that God is completely in control, and that He is a perfect, holy, righteous God, and His plans are not always our plans, if they can see that, I believe uh, that's where their hope and their peace will lie. Um, but they're just not there, you know. I'm praying. That's that's my that's my main prayer for them, and then for for Jordan's mind itself. Yeah. yeah. Others that we can pray over this morning. Okay. Um, some of you know Kyle. That's come here to visit a few times. Uh, my friend that lives in Nashville. Um, his sister got ejected from a car in a car wreck a few weeks back. Um, she's not a believer. Um, they're not sure if she'll ever be able to walk again. Um, so just prayer for Kyle and how to interact with her, share the gospel with her um, as they move forward through this seasonal life with her. I've shared that I've had just several friends uh, and family members who are just going through terrible trials where they're literally asking, does God for me? Does he even listen to me? I'm just Terry's friends and family. I don't know if Taylor's here, but she, you know, she found out recently that her dad has cancer, and they're waiting, trying to figure out to find out like how bad it is and what type of cancer it is. But I know that she is going through a lot of because she, she didn't have a good relationship with her dad growing up. Um, so it's bringing up a lot of thoughts in her that she's really struggling through and it's happening to you know, remind herself continually of truth that God is good and he does all things for our good and for his glory. So we can pray for Taylor and for her mom as they struggle through all that. Chris Hansen. Mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah, Chris. All right, let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would help us to see how this passage of Scripture connects to our everyday lives. That Jesus was very clear to tell his disciples that as they walked by this individual who was suffering, um, that it was not because he was a worse sinner than them. Instead, it was because you wanted to do something mighty through him. Um, So God, help us to see that our suffering has bigger purposes than we can usually comprehend Father, I pray that that would help us 
when we're striving to have conversations with people who are suffering. Got to think of Alex's friend Kyle and the conversations that can potentially be ahead for him, that you would give him uh, just grace and mercy in his speech and knowing how to process this. I pray that you would help him to be able to filter uh, this situation through promises that he sees in Scripture, that you're a good God uh, who has good purposes. And God, I pray that he'd be able to pass pass that truth along, that he'd be able to reveal your character in a deeper way. Um, Father, I pray the same for uh, Taylor. Uh, God, as she is both processing this situation and and gets the chance to uh, play the role of minister in this situation too, uh, in conversations, God, I pray that you would help her um, to be reminded personally uh, of these truths that we're seeing. Uh, God, I pray that you would give her uh, grace in her speech as well to know how to communicate who you are to family who is struggling with this too. Um, Father, we pray for Chris and just the continued suffering that he is enduring. Um, Lord, we're praying that you would bring healing to him. Um, But God, in the midst of just uncertainty about what he's supposed to do next, uh, God, I pray that you would bring clarity soon, that you would help him to see uh, renewed ways that he can use his suffering for your glory, that you would guide and direct him appropriately. Um, Father, we pray for uh, James's aunt. Um, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure as a mom, it's overwhelmingly frustrating to know that you can't help your child in ways that you want to. Um, Lord, I, I imagine that's a... a, a a battle that most of us don't understand. Um, Father, we're praying that if she does know you, that you would uh, continue to establish her knowledge of you and her experience of you uh, through your word in this situation, that um, she would grow and mature in her faith and uh, be able to trust you more and more. Um, And Lord, if she's not, that you would use this situation, conversations that James can have with her, to bring her to you. We pray for Jordan and his healing. Um, God, I pray that you would um, show your omnipotence in this situation in in ways that maybe we're not even expecting uh, to bring some type of resolution. Uh, Father, we pray for Terry and and families and and friends that she's been engaging with that that are really just struggling right now. God, I pray that as they are crying out to you and feel like there's not an answer coming, that they would not give up in the last watch. Um, Father, they would continue to pray and continue to look to you and continue to trust uh, that you are always moving, even if it's behind the scenes and we can't see it. Um, God, I pray that you'd help them to see that you are moving for their good. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd give Terry wisdom in knowing how to uh, draw them to remembrance of that. Um, Father, I pray for this family at Trinity and just the, the pain that they're enduring right now. I thank you that There's several of us in this room right now that are going to have the opportunity to minister to that family, whether it's to siblings or directly to the parents. God, I pray that you would prepare us for conversations, prepare us for interactions that will come in the future. Um, God, I pray we'd be able to use uh, each point of contact as a way to to encourage and to uh, help them to better understand you. Um, God, I pray that you would help each one of that family to, to see Uh, that you are a God who has promised to work all things for the good of your children. Pray that you'd provide comfort to them in the coming days, in the weeks, in the months ahead. 
And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, John chapter 9, verses 4 through 41. We talked about part 3 of Jesus addressing the Sabbath. Um, when there's no reason to not believe God is at work in a situation, we should seek to increase our faith in him rather than to disprove his presence simply because the situation is contrary to our expectations. Remember, um, all through this passage, the, the Pharisees are very hesitant to believe in the healing because it doesn't fall in line with how they think he should be healing, um, that it's not what they think should be done. And we need to be careful that we don't discount God working when it doesn't meet our expectations, okay? Um, has anyone been able to experience God working around them in an unexpected way that's led to some increased faith recently? Has God done anything unique, uh, anything that you were unanticipating him to do that has led you to trust him more as a result of that? Anybody think of a situation like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, my father um, has been... Uh, somewhat of a, on, on his own side for the past forever with his own kids. But lately, something changed. And um, so he's actually come around wanting to be part of, wanting to be part of our lives um, financially, um, even if this were a phone call. But he also did something just recently that um, for our younger brother that um, I was surprised. And, um, and I just, I just uh, you know, I, just, I would just pray that he would continue, that I would continue to do the work in his, in his life so he can turn around and actually, you know, look for all the, uh, his other sons as well. But you can see the change. The change has been so obvious. And I am so grateful that um, he's come around the way he has with us. And I'm um, not just, just, you know, one day at a time with him. Anybody else see God do something in an unexpected way recently? So we joined a um, homeschool group uh, that meets on Wednesdays this year. And we had to make the commitment back in April to do this. And um, I've expressed to a lot of you guys that this is not really my thing to be in the homeschool group. Uh, but I really felt God leading us to this specific one and couldn't deny at all that he keeps pointing us to joining this group, and I'm not really sure why. So we committed back in April to join this group for this coming school year, and it was like the night before our first day to go, and I was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> so we prayed as a family, and I prayed something specific. God, you led us back in April to join like be confident that you were leading us to join this group and so I said in a prayer show me like remind me tomorrow um sorry <laughs> it's just really great when you see him care about something so small um I said please remind me tomorrow that we are doing what you wanted us to do and he did. There was a specific conversation that I had with a lady, and I was like, that's it. Like, I know that we're being faithful. And it just seems so insignificant, but like, you care about these small things. And um, just being able to teach the kids about that. And 
that we're being obedient and we're not really sure why, uh, but we're going to be faithful to this. Uh, and, and that was super encouraging. Um, I have a friend at school who uh, I've known the last two years that he's just really struggled with faith and just had a really difficult home life. Um, relationships with his dad and his mom um, doesn't have any relatives other than his adopted mom and biological brother um, and I've tried to invite him to church try and be a light towards him um, and just met with he just doesn't know with all that's happened to him and to his brother and even to his mom he just doesn't know how a God that I continually tell him is working for good and has a plan for him could possibly love him. Um, and our family recently watched the movie I Can Only Imagine. And the whole time I was just thinking about my friend and about his relationship with his father and just his heavenly father too. Um, and the next day at school, I mentioned it to him and he to my surprise, he had said he had seen the movie and that it was one of the reasons or one of the main reasons he has not completely given up on his faith, that he's he's trying to believe that there is a God because of that movie. Um, and I was thinking, I'm just going to tell him about this movie and he probably hasn't heard of it at all. And then I saw he's actually seen it and it's doing something with his faith and in his life and an encouragement to him and that sparked a conversation about Christian music and how he he listens to Christian music because it speaks to him um, that I didn't know about before I just felt <coughs> God was working in that and I was able to see that my hopes and prayers for him were being shown and actually being worked on. But I, I was starting to think maybe there is nothing we, I can do for him. Yeah. I was, when we were at Snowbird, um, I was discouraged with the, the Trinity kids because we had a couple of sessions where we just had some knuckleheads that, you know, weren't focused and weren't paying attention and we're causing a distraction, and so just wondering, like, is anything sinking in right now? And uh, it was a couple days after we got back, um, I got a text from a dad who said, hey, my son came home and said that after one of the se sessions, he prayed to receive Christ on his own, um, and it was just under conviction about the gospel. And what was neat is that it was a kid that was withdrawn from our school at one point this summer because they were going to do something different, and... Um, was real intentional to reach out to the family, able to work something out where he was able to come back um, and is here at the school. And so it was just, it was encouraging to me because I honestly wasn't expecting a lot based off of some distractions that were caused, I believe, by the enemy. Um, but just to see how God was able to work above and beyond that. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to the kid yet, but um, to me it speaks volumes for him to come home and voluntarily tell his father that... Um, certainly not required and not something that he would have been pressed to do. And so for him to do that voluntarily was pretty cool to hear. 
Turn it yeah, so um, before our game on Tuesday, I saw multiple different kids, like five or six, that were praying before the game. And it wasn't just like to win, it was also just like for safety and stuff. And that was really encouraging. Because it's, it's hard for me to even pray before the games because I go to a public school and it's frowned upon by a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was really encouraging. Yeah. Re- really encouraging. All right, uh, John chapter 10, and, and I'm, we're going to go through this real quick because I know sake of time. So instead of us discussing this last question, I want to leave it with you and kind of have you pondering it as we leave today. Um, John chapter 10, verse 1 through 21, I'm the good shepherd. As our shepherd, Jesus provides us with guidance, protection, provision, giving us great reason to listen and respond to his care. Um, we talked about preparing our ears to hear the Good Shepherd, submitting our decision-making to follow the Good Shepherd, enjoying this life, finding contentment in this life because we have the Good Shepherd, entrusting our circumstances to his character as the Good Shepherd. Um, And then that next, or last week, we talked about his unity and our security that as our shepherd, um, he provides us with great security, that because of the unity enjoyed with his Father, we can have full confidence in the security of our salvation realizing it is based on the greatness of God and not the goodness of us. Um, and so we talked about uh, how the people that Jesus is speaking to, they're, they're rejecting the gospel, not because it's not been clear to them. Jesus says, I've been very clear about the gospel to you. You don't respond because you're not part of my sheep. Um, that when people hear the gospel and don't respond, that it's not that the gospel has failed, right? We talked about salvation coming to those who are first known by him, It's applied to those who hear his voice and respond in obedience, and it results in freedom and security and that the promises related to our salvation are based on his greatness and not our goodness, that it's based on his ability to hang on to us, right? Like he keeps both of our hands in his hands through the Father and through the Son, and so we're doubly secure in crossing the street, right? That we've got both of our hands that are being grasped by the Father and the Son. And so um, we've talked a lot about what it means for him to be our good shepherd, that he provides for us, he guides us, he protects us, he cares for us. And so I want you to kind of think in terms of what are some ways you're experiencing Jesus in one of these roles as shepherd, right? How have you seen him performing the role of shepherd in your life? And so we won't take time to discuss that, but I want you to ponder that in leaving this week. I want you to ponder that maybe over the rest of this week. What are some ways that you're seeing him function as a shepherd in your life? Are you listening to him? Are you following him? Are you doubting him? Um, yesterday, we had the privilege to take our boys to um, like this fishing tournament here in Sonoy. And we were trying to find where to fish because there was like 75 kids fishing in, in the lakes. And so like all the good places were packed with people. And um, so I'm pulling a wagon of all of our stuff and the boys are like ready to fish. And so they're like, can we go here? Can we go here? Why aren't we going here? And I felt like a shepherd trying to lead sheep who doubt the shepherd, right? Because I'm trying to take them to some green pastures that are shaded where we can fish and enjoy our morning together. And they've all got their opinions about where that is, right? And so I'm trying to lead and they keep trying to divert our our route. And so it just, it kind of hit me very quickly like, man, how frequently do I do that to Jesus, right? How frequently do I doubt my shepherd? How frequently do I not see that he is trying to take me to the best place, to the the place that will meet the needs that I have, 
right? And I'm so very quick to doubt him. I'm so very quick to question him. I'm so very quick to offer suggestions to him, right? Um, Think about how Jesus is our shepherd this week. Think about the roles that he plays as a shepherd and and thank him for those this week and, and embrace those things this week and submit yourself to those roles this week as well, okay? Um, before we partake of the Lord's Supper together, um, just wanted to give you a couple updates for our board in the back as we continue to work through our vision as a church in regards to local service. We had a good walk for life with the CPS um, last week. Uh, this next event coming up is on December 6th. It's their fundraiser ballet. Um, it'll happen at 7 p.m., there is ways to register on their website. So we're going to get that posted on uh, Realm. We've got a flyer right down here or a poster down here uh, that Terry has. Um, We'd love for as many people that can to be a part of this. Um, This does involve buying a ticket to go to this, so that's how they raise the money. Um, This is a fundraiser they haven't done before. Um, This is a great way for us to be involved in in, um, promoting life and supporting life. And so encourage you to be a part of that event as we... Uh, continue to work towards solidifying how we're going to serve people in this area. Um, next piece of update that I wanted to give you is uh, in regards to our restructure. Please, please, please participate faithfully in our D groups in seeking gospel connections, right? Like we want you to connect with people that aren't like you, right? Like, like don't be guilty of creating an environment here like I created at my school 20 years ago where I only hung out with the people who were like me, right? And I ignored people that weren't, right? Like we want to see these gospel connections, you being intentional to have people over, to meet up with people, to invest in them and to have them invest in you so that we can all grow together, okay? So encourage you to participate faithfully, especially for those that are recently attending our church. This is a great way to connect with them. Um, Continue to pray for our uh, upcoming meetings with our landlord about our lease, Um, And then lastly, in regards to other ways that we're trying to serve and give, keep praying for Connor at Snowbird, okay? Keep praying for the Folkers in the Czech Republic. But I also wanted to let you know on October 6th, which is two weeks from today, uh, we're going to be blessed to have a family come and share about a mission opportunity that they're taking advantage of. This is a family where the husband has worked with Daniel Richardson for a time period. He's also worked with Rob um, in Atlanta uh, most recently, um, and his family, he has stepped away and he is moving his family to Nepal to work with um, sex trafficking over there to alleviate that. And so this is a family that's been at Trinity now for a while too, so there's several different connection points here of ways that we know this family. Um, we've invited them to come and share on October 6th a little bit about what their family is doing. Um, I think it'll be a blessing to you just to hear uh, this guy and the vision that he has and the ways that God has equipped him through um, his service uh, here in, in the area of the law to be able to take that experience over there to help alleviate um, some of these practices. And so really excited about them coming here. We are hoping to give our quarter four money to them. They are really hoping to have enough money to move in December. Um, they announced that they were doing this in the summertime. So they've been um, flooded with support from family and friends. Um, they have a sixth grader in our middle school. Um, but like I said, have worked, has worked for years with Daniel and Rob. And uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you to hear. Um, and, and your family may be led to support them individually. Um, but we, as we kind of wrap up this year, we talked about giving different quarter money to different individuals. Um, so we're going to give our quarter four money to this family 
Um, and I think it'll be good for you to hear from them on October 6th um, before we do that. So invite you to be a part of that, and we'll be in prayer for that family um, as well. Okay? Um, in closing today, as we always do on Application Sundays, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, I'm going to pray for us and give you the opportunity. The reason we do this on Application Sundays is because the Lord's Supper is a visual, public uh, demonstration, um, confession that, that we are still following Jesus, that um, this is an activity for believers. Um, and so by partaking of it, one, we are claiming to be believers, um, but we are also um, showing publicly that we are still um, claiming the, the, the blood of Christ and the work of Christ for our salvation. Um, so it's, it's kind of, the, the, of, a, of a public affirmation of what we've already decided, and that's to follow Jesus. But it serves as an encouragement to be able to do this together. Um, and as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, we do this until Jesus comes back, um, until we get to, to eat with him again personally. And so we look forward to that day. Um, in anticipation of that day, we continue to hold fast to him. Um, so I'm going to pray for us. Um, what we do here is a representation. And so I like to always clarify that we don't believe that the juice turns into the blood of Jesus. We don't believe that the bread turns into the body uh, of Jesus, as some churches might teach. We don't believe that it saves us, as some churches might teach as well. We don't believe that it adds to our salvation or that it keeps us saved. Um, but it is an act of obedience. Um, we believe that we've been called to do this until Jesus comes back. Um, and we encourage you to partake if you're a believer. Um, we don't encourage you to partake if you had a good week as a believer, right? That this isn't something that you get to do if you have been good, right? Um, we've all sinned this past week. And so we always pause before partaking to make sure that we are fighting sin, confessing sin, because by partaking of this, what we're saying is that we're not good, right? That we're not good people, that we need the body, we need the blood of Jesus, um, and we keep running to that versus our own righteousness, okay? Let's pray together. God, we love you and thank you for our time together today. Thank you that we can reflect upon your word. Thank you that we can pause and make sure that we're hearing it and also processing it so that we can do it. Um, God, I pray that you'd help us this week to be doers of your word. Uh, we thank you that you're our good shepherd. I pray that we would live in the reality of that this week. Help us to see ways that you're guiding us, protecting us, providing for us. We pray that we would be inclined to celebrate you this week for those things. God, I pray that we would trust you more this week in that role too. We thank you that we can partake of your supper this morning. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on our behalf to cleanse us of our sins. We thank you for the body of Jesus that was lived in perfection so that we can be made right in your eyes. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate that today, that it would be an encouragement to all that are here that are believers. God, I pray that it would be a teaching tool to those that aren't, that they would be uh, convicted of their sin, that they would see that this is the only solution to their sin problem, not to partake of this, but to believe in this, that Jesus is the answer. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.